Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Anita, the mayhem has already begun. Yes, it has. Hi, Melba Toast. That was so brilliant. I don't even have one. My brain's too swimmy today. Great one, Anita. I love that your brain is swimmy. That's a great description. Yeah. When you're like floating. Yeah. Um, yeah, the chaos is here. It's Christmas time. It's crazy town. Let's let's do it. I'm in. Okay. So uh, you tell me that you've been playing video games for like 27 hours straight. It's true. Yeah, um, you've had kind of a crazy week. It's also true. I can't even remember what happened this week. Would you like to hear about it? For sure. Okay. Now, I am sharing part of the story with permission from my sister, who is one of the main players in this story. Hey, guys, did you know that it's 2020 and there's a pandemic and everybody's legit going crazy in the yes, head? Yes, so. I had heard that. Well, on Monday, my sister was not doing very well. She was struggling with some mental things and she informed me. Now, for those of you who do not want to hear the story, this might, you should skip ahead 30 seconds because it's going to talk about dark things. So go ahead and skip if you need to. So she walked in and informed me that she was suicidal. And I was like, okay, not today. <laughs> 
no, you're like unacceptable. I reject your offer. (laughs) I understand that you feel this way. However, we are not going to have an outcome of that today. If I help you get on the National Suicide Hotline, are you willing to talk to them? Yes. So long story short, that happened and she was able to be admitted to get some psychiatric help. And she is doing better, thankfully. And she got home on Friday Right as I was taking one of my dogs to the dog ICU because he was having seizures and not able to walk. So I was at the dog emergency vet. So basically, it's just been a stressful week with actual life and death situations for both human and person. And so there's that. And I'm tired. What, what, what did you end up figuring out with Finn, the dog? Okay, the dog... <laughs> This is so ridiculous. He got into moldy bird seed, which I didn't even know was in the yard. And apparently mold is very, very, very toxic for dogs. And the reason why he was not able to move his feet and whatever, I was going to say feet and hands, but I know, but what do dogs have? I don't know. They just have feet. I guess. Paws. I think they're called paws. Paws. Because he was in so much pain and that's why. So I thought he had a neurological issue and was freaking out. Texting you, Anita. Remember this. Yeah. So Uh anyway, so he spent a night in the dog ICU. He even had a night nurse. It was so great. They let me call (laughs) at any time. And then with my sister, she was in in the hospital for about four to five days and was making progress. She also had a night nurse. She totally did. Yeah. And if any of you are caught up on the podcast, you know that my bandmate succumbed to suicide like two weeks ago. So... This has been a theme. So um, the reason why my sister said it was okay to share is because she's really into helping everybody realize that it's okay to have issues mentally. And she just wants everybody to know that if you're struggling, there's help. So I asked her about it today. Like, I'm like, we usually get together and we blah, blah about stuff. Do you want me to not say anything? This is kind of like a huge part of my week this week. Yeah, I'm like, this was, and because it was like, life and death it's not just like oh yeah here's my sister i ate a tortilla yeah my here's my sister yeah she's just in in the hospital because she wanted to die it was like every single day was full of trauma and scary things and and then as soon as she was gonna come home then the dog thing happened which i know for some that sounds so ridiculous but for me it's like all i have my husband's dead and i don't have kids and so i put all my effort into my dog staying alive so are you just like this? Why would you eat bird seed? Yeah. Dumb Finn? Yeah. Like, yes. What the heck? It's so weird because he never gets into anything. And now I guess he does. So it was so strange. And like He's like, oh, this tastes really gross. It's moldy. I'll just keep eating this whole bag. Om nom nom. Yeah. Did you know there's a pet poison control and you can get a no, case I, number from I him? do now. Yeah. So the- Do you know how many times I call human poison control? Well, they don't charge a you a $60 fee, I <gasps> guess. They do it pet poison control? Yeah, because you have to get a case number and then give the vet, your vet, the case number so they can communicate. But they are very nice. I'm very happy with the medical care that everybody in my life this week received. And now my medical care is playing Nintendo because I just feel like my brain cannot really handle much more. Because it was so stressful. I think I've called poison control at least four times this year. And they're really nice to you. Yeah. They don't say like, why the hell would your kid do that? And that's what I'm thinking. 
just like with Finn, like, why would you do that? Anyway. It made me feel better as a dog owner. Does it make you feel better as a parent? When they don't act you treat you like you're a stupid yes. person? Yes. Yes. For sure. When I'm like, uh, my son hit a battery with a hammer and the battery squirted into his eye. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's just like, I cannot explain what would, why somebody would do that. I have a thought, Anita. What? We've both had great experiences with the people on the other end of poison control. Maybe <laughs> they should switch professions and do every job ever, like politics, mental health professionals. Maybe. They know how to treat people. I kind of think that they're like college students, though, that just follow the script. And they're trained not to be like, well, that's a weird thing to do. Why would he do that? Why weren't you watching him? Where did he get the hammer? Where did he get the battery? You know, none of yeah. that. I think with the pet so. poison control, um, it does consist of veterinarians on their staff as well. So it might be different. But, oh, guess what else hap- is happening tomorrow? What? It's my anniversary <laughs> with Scott. Oh, gosh. So yeah. I've I've decided something this year. You have? Yeah, because it's my five year. Isn't that a, a notable thing? Yes. And I looked it up. You know that thing where you're supposed to give your person presents yeah and they're like a like a special like the aluminum anniversary yes the ivory anniversary yeah the paper anniversary i would like a taco anniversary personally okay did you know that if you're married for like 80 years because my grandparents were married for almost 80 years then the the year mark is unicorn (gasps) Not really. I totally just made that up. Don't do that to me. I'm in a compromised <laughs> mental state. <laughs> I believe everything. <laughs> I think we really did look it up once and it's because nobody's married for 80 years, but they were. That's amazing. Well, guess what my plan is, Anita? What is your plan? Scott's dead. Did you know this? So <laughs> I'd heard. I'm just going to give you whatever my five year <gasps> present is. And I think it is wood this year. So what do you want? A ping pong paddle? A train whistle? <laughs> not a train whistle. Not a train whistle. A bookshelf? Some, just one. Something that's not a weapon or doesn't make a loud noise. A tree? Yeah, actually, I do want to plant a tree, but I don't think, like, the middle of December is the greatest time to plant a tree. It's not. Do you? Not, I don't know. Don't ask me questions. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't even remember my fifth anniversary. Because it was so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. I never got one. I was like 22 years old. I know. Dang, Scott. I know, but now you're my person, so you get all the prizes. Have you noticed how so many people in our Widow Wives Club have dead Scots? Yes. It is like a curse. Guys, don't name your children Scott. Don't marry somebody named Scott because they'll die. They, They all die. Yeah. That's so weird. No offense to Scots and people that have named them. Yeah. And to all the dead Scots. It's just like, why? That's so weird. Um, so... Anita, I just want to say thank you for bringing a drink to my house while I was in the ER with my sister. Because I got it later. You're welcome. Thanks for being a friend. I brought it to you and I handed it to your mom. And then I looked her in the eyes and I said, Sylvia Shore, don't you dare drink this. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? 
a little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. And she's like, I would I never. It's carbonation, I and I don't like carbonation. <laughs> she was like, this is this is the sugar of the devil or something. No, but it wasn't because it was all sugar-free. Yeah, it's aspartame of the devil. Yes, it's his aspartame of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anita, you know, my week was just kind of weird like that. What was your week like? I don't know. I can't even remember. I get to the end of the week and I'm like, what just happened? Did stuff happen? This is what I do know. It's Christmas. I have four kids. I have parents. I have in-laws. I have people to buy presents for. So I just kept keep buying stuff. And then it comes to my house and I open it up. And I'm like, I don't even know. This is so weird. It's such a mishmash. We're going to have Christmas morning. <laughs> it's going to be like one kid gets 11 presents. And then I'm going to have forgotten one kid entirely. And that won't go over well. Um, but I bought a present for one kid. And it came to the house. And I opened it. And I had accidentally ordered two of that present. And I'm like, no, I didn't. But yes, I did. I went back and looked. So now I have two of that that I need to return one of. And I just hope that it all comes together in the end and everybody gets something. Yeah. And if not, call me, text me that morning. I'll figure <laughs> The only place out. that's open, I know this from experience, is Walgreens. Oh, I actually love Walgreens. We just had a little COVID scare, though, so I was pretty sure we were going to be in quarantine for Christmas. But then it turns out it's fine. The other, this I for sure know has been going on this week, is that we are dealing, one of my kids is having panic attacks, which has never happened to me in the past. I have no knowledge. I have no, nothing in my toolbox to deal with this kind of thing. And it's been really difficult because we're almost to the point of not functioning very well. Um, Like I had to go to school and pick her up from school there was a panic attack on the junior high floor and you know like every place we go and then I have lots of people who want to give me their input on what to do about them but all of it seems to be I'm like no right now I just need it solved right now <laughs> that's how I feel you know like give me like a switch that we can flip or like I'll hit her over the head with a frying pan because <laughs> honestly sometimes I do just feel like like you need to like snap them out of it somehow so i kind of want to just like try slapping her on the face but like i heard that's not yeah i've heard that's not good they frown upon you doing that so anyway hey yeah i don't it's been a weird weird thing and she thinks she's having a heart attack oh gosh and then that was like the first of them and then she started having panic attacks about having panic attacks like she's so nervous she's gonna have a panic attack that she has a panic attack <laughs> so i'm oh. like this is a spiraling weird it doesn't help thing. that her hat, her dad died from a heart thing either. Yes. 
no, I do not think it is. And, you know, she's having all these dietary problems, and I think that that is not helping either because she gets, like, heartburn and anyway. But on the flip side, because her dad died of a heart thing, all of the kids got a heart screening. So I can be like, we know your heart is normal in structure, right? But that apparently doesn't help people that much when they're having a panic attack. When you say to them, your aortic structure is normal. <laughs> but you know what, Anita? Great job being a medical professional. You're very, very to the point. But this is such a different animal because I'm just, I'm like, you are fine. You know, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with you. Why is this happening? Stop it. That's how I feel. Which is not very nice. It's not very sympathetic. I know. It's hard when it's not you going through the yeah. thing. Because it's like, well, you're of just course, like, what when- is yeah, it's like when you're going through the thing, you're like, I need all the stuff and all the help and all the time and all the care. And then someone else goes through it and it's like, okay, come on. <laughs> yes. I feel you. I feel you. Yes. I, and then ugh. I always think like, what's wrong with me? Every day for me is like trying to improve and to be kinder. And then sometimes I'll yeah. hear those voices in my head. I'm like, I'm such a jerk. Stop. Well, I, I decided I was like, okay, you've been going to therapy for almost two years we need to find you a new therapist because if if you don't have tools to deal with this by now, then I don't know what you guys have been doing. But so then I told her and then she had a panic attack. Oh, no, that. Anita. <laughs> I know. I have a question. What? For I know everybody is different. Would your kid benefit from exercise like you do? Or is it just too like a weird zone for her right now? I think she would for sure. But she's kind of at that age now where I can't be like, you should do this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can say, hey, I think this would be a good idea. But we have a ton of stuff right now to do, too. I'm like, you're falling behind on schoolwork. And, you know, so right now it's just like, can you just function in a really baseline level? And so today she actually started to have, like, you know, you can see it coming. And we went outside and we went for a walk. And that was really good. Like, it was cold outside. There was just, like, a lot of sensations. And and that helped a lot. I do, I do think that physical activity would really help, like, just to get that outlet. So, I mean, we're looking at a lot of things right now. But they all take, they all take time. So how do you get through until you figure out what's going to work? And what techniques and what strategies and how to, how to stop it before it becomes a full-blown like freak out i know how you just play nintendo (laughs) ignore everything maybe maybe but they keep happening and like at times when i wouldn't suspect they're gonna happen so so tricky guys this death stuff is hard i know and i and i said to you i was texting mel about it and i was like i have two questions in my mind the first question is is number one would this even be happening if Jason hadn't died? Like, it's so hard to know what the trajectory would have been had our life just stayed quote-unquote normal. If she still would have turned into a teenager and still been dealing with, you know, teenagery stuff. And maybe she would have been predisposed to this anyway. And then my question is, okay, assuming that it's not just because Jason died, what would his response to this have been? Would he have just been like, what the heck, like, stop. You know, or if he would have been, you know, I don't know good about it or anyway i just keep thinking that over and over have you come to any conclusions with those thoughts 
honestly, I don't think we would be where we are if Jason hadn't died. That's how I really feel because she has taken, she's my oldest. Um, she has taken so much of the stress because she feels this need to hold it together, the family together when I'm not holding it together. Oh man. So when the boys are annoying me or being crazy, like she feels like she needs to come up and be the parent and stop annoying mom. Like mom's going to, mom's going to lose it. Mom's going to freak out. Mom's going to have to leave to a, you know, padded room somewhere and then she feels responsible for it. And then I'm like, you're not responsible. You know, you're not in charge. Go away. But then she still feels this responsibility to hold things together when I'm not able to. And that's not really a normal thing for a 12, 13 year old to have to do. So I just think she's got a lot of stress that she wouldn't have had if we still had two parents. So, and I'm sure she would have had teenager stupid stuff, but I don't think it would be to this point. No, that's a lot. Um, but you know what the good news about husbands are? You can always just go find another one. So what's your problem? I mean, everybody's been telling us that since our people have died. So Mel and I went <laughs> to, um, a little while ago, we went together to a, a beautification salon. I'll call it that. <laughs> and we, um, were sitting there chatting with the, like the lady there and I was like, you just have to know how we know each other. And we told her, you know, that we were widow wives and our husbands were dead. And the first thing she said was, are you dating? And I was like, I thought she meant each other. And I was like, no, it's just like a funny name. And then I think, I don't know. Do you think she meant that? I don't know because I thought she meant the other, but then I did a double take and thought she meant the first thing. Yes. And then we we're like, no, we're not dating anybody. And then she said, she said, well, how long? I mean, has it just recently happened? And then that's another tricky question. I'm like, well, define recent. I, yeah, we had to, we told her, well, for us, it's recent. But for a normal person, it seems like a long time ago, three years. Yeah. And then the, she was like the best because then she said the next words out of her mouth were, you're so strong. <laughs> I was like, lady, what if she's listening? It's fine because it's not like she meant to do, but she said all of like the funniest things right in a row. And I, I was know. like, you have been talking to us for six minutes and you get to decide whether or not we're strong. I'm like, no, you don't know. It was pretty funny. It was. She did tell us she was going to listen to our podcast. So if she's listening, hi, new friend. <laughs> and we're not mad. It's just funny. We've gotten quite a few recommendations from... Lots of people uh, that are wondering about how to help children through grief. And just for those of you who are interested, we are, have been working on that actually for a long time. <laughs> and it's hard to find people that will come and talk to us. So we're working on it. We're sorry that we don't have anything yet. But if you've got somebody that you know of, um, drop us an email. Because what we're finding is that most people also don't know. So <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, Every, what? and I'd all the parents are like, yeah, I don't know. We're just muddling. We're just figuring this out. So, yeah, if you've got, like, an expert, yeah, let us know. Yeah, if you have some of the – we have some um, some calls out, but we haven't heard back yet. So, yeah, if um, give people our email, widowwedonow at gmail.com, and we would be happy to consider them. Because it sounds like all y'all need some help with your kids. Yes. Um. And would this be a good time to remind people about our widow hang? Um. Yeah, I'm excited our for our widow holiday hang. hang on Saturday. Yeah. 
we have RSVPs coming in. Make sure you RSVP and we will send you the Zoom link. We're not just putting the Zoom link out because we don't want randos. We hate scammers and psychos and we just can't. RSVP, um, it's going to be super low-key casual, so no pressure. Not long and drawn out, but fun. You can come, you can go, whatevs. So um, make sure you RSVP and we'd love to see you this weekend to wish you happy holidays and if you are listening to us right now after december 19th i'm sorry you've missed it go back in time in your delorean then you'll be able to join us again it's time to shout out our patrons we'll start with our dead husbands first we have katie Kuntz and david kelly thank you thank you to our widow wife and widow besties we have karen cornejo Lori farrington rachel barbosa oh her episode is today yes emily thornton iliana bell the fancy lady anna tracy jamie aliota gabe lozano christina scambato aaron posick Shannon Helm, Jenny Barrow, Jackie Kennedy Jr., <laughs> Christine Anderson, Marjorie Lewis, Diana Becker, Black Wendy, Sarah Morris, Ashley Hahn, Kara Scara, Jenny Taylor, my mommy, and Sylvia Shore that does not drink carbonation. Thanks, mom. You're good. She didn't drink your drink. Nope. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. It really means a lot and helps us to be able to keep the podcast going. If you haven't joined our Patreon, consider checking it out. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. And as always, check out the Widow Wives Club if you're a widow or widower. And check out our Facebook page if you are just a good person who is not a widow or widower. All right. Up next is... A ray of sunshine who's been through lots of crazy things, but has the best attitude. And is a cutie pie. And we love her, and it's going to be a party at her house next time we can actually go somewhere. So. Here we go. Coming up, Rachel Barbosa. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We're just two young widows getting ready for Christmas and anniversaries, and we're trying to figure out widow what do we do now. now. I am very wise and knowledgeable. I would like to point that out. I'm not disagreeing all the way. Thank you. Okay, so Anita, we have an amazing guest today. And this next guest has been one of our listeners for a while. And just in the last week or so, she had a very fancy article posted about her. So I know a little bit more about her than you do. She's a mystery to me. She's very cool. And we have been wanting to interview her for a while. So welcome to the podcast, Rachel Barbosa. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Rachel, where are you? I am in Lake Arrowhead right now. Where is that? California. Okay. Um, It is in the um, sort of close mountains of Southern California in the LA. It's in San Bernardino County, which is near LA County. And um, I I don't live here. I'm well, I mean, I live here part-time. I am. 
went crazy and bought a cabin up here like <gasps> what? the month after the month after my hubby passed and that, that's a whole story that I'm sure I'll probably touch upon um widow wives retreat at your place <laughs> yes. absolutely that's amazing how's the covid situation in your neck of the woods so LA County has over 11 million people that live. Oh, I thought you were going to say 11 million cases. And I was going to be like, whoa. <laughs> so with, <sighs> with that um, population, it is very difficult for the county to um, achieve the type of you know, numbers or some sort of formula the Department of Public Health has applied that we must meet the amount of beds that are available you know, compared to the amount of cases that are out there. And um, LA County is just kind of having a difficult time um, getting a hold of everything because we're so populated. So other counties in our surrounding area, like Orange County, San Bernardino County, Ventura County, um, they are able to maybe open up a little bit faster because they don't face the same issues that LA County has. So uh, is that why you were like, I'm going to my cabin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with the moose. Yeah, oh my gosh. And the funny squirrels. You say that. I have, I have a room that I just decorated. Now I'm, I'm making like themed rooms. So I just did a moose room and uh, yeah, and it's just cheesy. I run into moose a lot. <gasps> it's one of my talents. While oh, you're running. You should send biking. me a picture. Oh, I that can. would be awesome. Yeah. It's not awesome. It's like, ah, please don't kill me moose. But they never have. So that's cool. Is the area you're in right now, Rachel, is that by Big Bear? Is it that kind of area? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah, so it's there. it's a town closer to where I live. It, it's about an hour away from where I live down the mountain. And Big Bear is another 45 minutes away in the same like direction. Can we just pause a second? Okay. Rachel's lipstick is amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud of it. I know. I was... She looks so great. And look at us. Whoa. Okay. I want you to know. If, I, I, have I have on mascara for the first time I in four days. I have and tennis shoes on. I had to get all dolled up. From... <laughs> it's the Maybelline lip stain. And it's awesome. And it lasts all day long. I don't think I could even pull it off, though. I think I would look like a clown no. if I tried it. They have different shades. Okay, Rachel. We've yeah. gone around in circles and gotten nowhere so let's get somewhere shall we that article that was posted about you had some interesting information that i think is is relevant to resilience and probably to where you are today um and of course you're a widow because you're on this podcast but yeah start back wherever you would like to start back and kind of go through it and then we'll get to the death stuff and then yeah. you know how it goes we're all over well i i always kind of wonder why my story is you know out there and why anyone would want to hear it or write about it or cover it, you know? Um, but I think that the people that I want to reach um, are the people that had similar backgrounds like me, um, who perhaps can have some hope and uh, inspiration to overcome a lot of challenges like, um, you know, I mean, I was a poor kid, grew up in the welfare office, um, my mother was a, a single mother of four and we were homeless at one time um, and a church family took us in and we lived with them in their family room for almost a year. And that family, I'm still very close to, I consider the parents like my uncle and aunt, 
um, their daughter is my best friend and we're still very, very close. So, um, you know, then going through childhood, living off of every, you know, any, any government assistance available. Um, my, my mother, you know, she has some mental illness um, that perhaps wasn't really diagnosed back in the day. And so all she knew was survival mode. And um, I think just overcoming those challenges and being able to play in sports, perhaps, you know, and, and being competitive, I have this like drive to win. I always need to win in the situation I'm in. So um, my approach to challenges might be a little different from others. Um, I have a very fast pace, which my grieving pace is even fast, you know? And sometimes I think, you know, why am I where I'm at today where other women or, you know, widows who've gone through this, perhaps they're still not in a comfortable space of moving forward, you know? And, but I think it's just my, I've always been that um, fast paced problem solver. And, um, you know, then I had two kids in high school. I was a teen mom and uh, graduated high school with two kids, which is a little crazy. Um, and got married uh, my senior year and got divorced right after high school and moved back home and um, was just a struggling young single mom. But uh, I, I had a part-time job, a full-time job. I was in college. I was volunteering in the community. I worked on political campaigns and I established um, a little bit of a reputation of just being a, um, a fix it, you know, go getter person. And um, I worked for two very prominent elected officials here in LA County. They're called um, County Board Supervisors. And um, they, one of the, one of the electeds actually served in President Obama's um, cabinet as a Secretary of Labor. Um, the other elected official um, was a state senator and you know assembly member and now he's going to be serving he just won his election to serve in la city council so you know i've just been involved in government and politics for a while um, and now i actually am a city manager for a city in la county and you know it's a position that um i i earned it in a sort of non-traditional unconventional way of getting there um, you know, a lot of my colleagues have worked for decades coming up through the local city system, achieving that. And, um, and I was able to, I think, just, you know, prove myself in ways that um, helped maybe, you know, launch my um, success. So um, I get to be like a CEO of a city and it's awesome because it's a small city. You know, so we contract everything. We don't have our own police department or fire department. So it, it's challenging, but, um, but it's just so rewarding as well. And I had just gotten the job when everything, you know, went to crap um, when, my, when my hubby died. So, Okay, so you grew up, you had to fight your whole life yes. to just have the normal life experience that yeah. we all just to stay alive yeah, we just all like assume happens for everybody um when did you get married we skipped that part didn't we yeah well you got married again right because you married your 
in high school you were right. married, right? And yeah. then divorced. Oh. And okay. I mean that that marriage I don't even really count, you know. <laughs> the only that the only thing that counts is I had a daughter from that marriage. So that's that's that. But okay, um, wait, you got married in <laughs> high school? Yes. Before or after your first baby? During Christmas break, I was <laughs> pregnant with my second daughter. And um and actually the first daughter I had my sophomore year when I was 16 and her father, who I'm still very close to, he, he texted me and said, Oh, I read your article and you didn't give me any recognition. <laughs> he was just joking. No. Um, but you know, I'm very close to him and his wife. Um, and, um, and, and so I had my daughter, then I, then I, you know, got pregnant again with my second daughter and I thought, okay, this has to be it. And, um, and we got married my senior year while I was in Christmas break. So I came back to school after Christmas break and I changed my last name right away because I was really proud of it. And, um, and then you're in high school and you think yeah. that, you know, like everything exactly. and then you exactly. get older and you're like, boy, I was stupid. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I, so I struggled for a few years, of course, um, being a, a, a young single mother, you know, late teens into early twenties. Um, but as I mentioned, I was volunteering um, in the community and on political campaigns. Wait, can I just say I'm so impressed that you graduated and had two kids? That's and amazing. I was in honors classes. What? What? You're just I, a high achiever. You're like, I'm going to pack all yeah, of life in before exactly. I'm 18. Yeah. yeah. That's all. But of course, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, being a sort of survivalist um, and trying to make something of my life at that time it, it it results in maybe a little neglect perhaps of my own children and you know just kind of like babysitters and grandma and so now they're my daughters are in their late 20s and it's my fault for everything that they're going through and they're both mothers by the way so you know it has its pluses and minuses i mean um, but we have a we have awesome relationships and i'm very proud of them um, so so they were little and I was volunteering and I was uh, trying to bring more resources to a neglected community in South Los Angeles. And I did that with a group of friends who were all professionals in different um, industries. We came together, we, we created this six week program where we were gonna have this little neighborhood college is what we called it. And one of the workshops focused on knowing their local law enforcement uh, station and the deputy at the time who was like the nice community deputy who was going to be the go-to guy um, he he came on board and we co-chaired his workshop that day and um, you know I was just we, we were very friendly and just um, um, sort of had a lot in common we found out we were way out in South LA and you know 30 plus miles north we actually lived within about two miles of each other so, you know, he was newly single and I was single. And so the following year we started dating and uh, his name's Ernie. And so um, Ernie was a deputy in the LA County Sheriff's Department. And we, uh, we merged our families. He also had two children who were about the same ages as my daughters. And we, we settled in the community, in the city where he lived. And we got married and we just were crazy in love and faced all the challenges of a, a blended family. We, um, 
we both acknowledged and recognized that our children were close with their other parents. And so we had always been very open with their other parents too. So we just had this really cool blended, big blended family. And it just, um, it just shaped us sports, youth sports and, you know, community involvement and activism and um, his career. He grew in his career. I grew in mine and he promoted to sergeant and was a sergeant for the department. I'd say probably the last 10 years of his career. Um, he was on the department total of almost 30 years and we just had the perfect life. You know, I mean, the first 10 years were really challenging and rough, but then the next, you know, eight years were just like perfect. Okay. I just want to say, no, they weren't. <laughs> I'm listening to you and I'm like, they are were not perfect, but you guys were rock stars because you took a situation that was challenging and you came out of it saying it was perfect, yeah. which means says a lot about you actually more than it says about the situation. Well, he, we both came from pretty humble beginnings. He also, he lost his mother when he was seven and that defined him with everything he did throughout life. And I think of like, you know, your children, Anita, and um, how they're going to grow with the loss of their father. And that's going to be very impactful, but that will probably define who they become as adults. And because you're strong and because you're aware of, you know, all of these different feelings and emotions, and you have so much support, they're going to be okay. They're going to be. Thank you. Yeah, no, they are going to be awesome. In fact, except for I have one that keeps trying to kill our fish. (laughs) He'll be a veterinarian. He's just experimenting. Yeah. He poured chocolate milk into the fish bowl. Because he wanted to see if they liked, if he likes chocolate milk, they may like chocolate milk. I guess <laughs> he just wants to heal the fish. <laughs> he wants to make them happy. Ever since you were little, you had a lot of obstacles to work through and your resilience was amazing. Like as we have heard already, all the, those things leading up and then you met Ernie. And then of course every marriage has its challenges. And then you ended up coming through it through the other side. And you're like, it was amazing. So did you feel like, yes, I've made it. Look at my life that was so crazy. And now I'm here with Ernie and Oh yeah, cool. the first 10 years were crazy of our marriage. Of course, super challenging back and forth. I mean, just, and it was almost like when we hit that 10 year mark, it just, it just worked. Everything worked. And of course I was naggy and of course he was mean. And, but, but those are just things that, you know, couples deal with. And um, we, I mean, I have a short-term memory anyway. So I was always forgiving and, you know, he too. I mean, we were just... I, I would just say that, you know, the last half of our marriage, um, we daily acknowledged how blessed we were and how we should appreciate our happiness. And um, it was just incredible, you know? And, and uh, I, I just, I, I can't describe how perfect of a marriage that we had, you know? Um, we were both very happy. We, we had a few grandchildren and, um, he was preparing for retirement. So he had served this 30 year career, uh, you know, sacrificing his life every day, putting on his uniform and going out to work and really getting, um, very, he he was just so, um, special, even in his, even in his job. 
everyone loved him. His subordinates loved him, his, you know, his the, the, the secretaries, his bosses, everyone just loved him. He was fun, he was funny, he was cool. Um, but he had a drinking problem. And um, he, I think, just self-medicated, you know, um, for many, 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 many years. And I'm not an ultimatum type of person, so we discussed his alcoholism a lot, but it was manageable because he always turned out to be nicer and more giving. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually reaped some of the benefits on the other end. Um, but, you know, he just, it was just him. It was just him. And um, a little over a year ago on June 30th, we had some friends over. It was the first real warm day of the summer. So we were in the pool all weekend. And of course we were drinking. And um, that Sunday he went in to the house a little early and I went looking for him and he said, oh, I just have a stomach ache and I don't really feel well. I said, okay, well, you know, do you need anything? No, I'm good. Went out, you know, hung out with our friends another couple hours. They were leaving, came back in. Hey, they're leaving. You should probably go say bye. Okay. So he got up, went and said bye, came back in and he asked me to get him Pepto-Bismol and he just had a really upset stomach and he was uncomfortable. And um, later that night, he just did not look well. And he never goes to the hospital. He, I don't even know if he ever went to the doctors the whole time we were together. Um, and he, I said, well, I had a good friend who was a nurse at the local hospital. She, and I said, well, I'll check the ER and maybe you just need an IV. And um, he didn't want to do that. So he said, no, 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 I'll just, I'll just sleep through it. Um, and I said, okay. He goes, but, but check on me. Cause he, he was moving around so much. He slept in on the sofa in the living room. Cause he didn't want to keep me awake. I had to get up early the next day for work. And um, I woke up early and I went to check on him and he just did not look good. And unfortunately, um, you know, his skin was very ashy. And so I called 911 and the paramedics came and they kept taking his vitals. And um, I didn't know that he was vomiting blood. And I, I didn't know that this was happening because I, I was sleeping and he didn't tell me. So they rushed him to the hospital and um, I thought, okay, well, I'll probably be in the ER for a while. So I'm just going to stop by Starbucks and get a coffee and a muffin. <laughs> you know, like, of course. Because before it was like a Pepto-Bismol tummy. Yeah. You know, yeah, get right. you some of that pink stuff and you'll be, yeah. you'll be good. Okay. Right. Get, drink yeah. some water. Um, and I got to the hospital and in, in the hospital, in the ER, um, they just, everyone was scared. Everyone just looked shocked that he was even still alive. They had to rush him up to ICU and get blood in him. And, um, you know, he told me, call his operation sergeant, let her know, um, let her know, and, and I'll probably be out a while. And so I, I, I went downstairs and I was trying to, you know, call people and, and, and let them know what was going on with him called our kids. Actually, I sent a group text to all the kids. Hey, you know, dad, dad went to the hospital. I'm not quite sure what's wrong, but I'll just keep you posted. Okay. Yeah. Keep us posted. And my stepdaughter uh, met me at the hospital. We, we walked upstairs and he was in the ICU and both of us had never seen him like that hooked up to machines. I mean, he was just never in the hospital ever. So it was, it was pretty um, shocking. And immediately he just said, something's happening. Something's happening. Keep talking to me. 
So I kept talking to him and my stepdaughter stepped out. I think it was just a little too much for her to handle. And then he just like coded and the nursing staff, I mean, kind of like in, you know, on TV, they just swarm and they jump on him and they're working on him. And I just scooted out and, you know, my stepdaughter and I were just holding each other and um, we just couldn't believe what was happening. I mean, just overnight, you know, we just couldn't believe it. And so then they, um, they brought him back. And so um, they had him connected to all these machines. And of course, tons of family came out to the hospital. This was right before COVID, of course, or not right before, but I guess six months, seven months before. And um, he came back, you know, he, he, they, they brought him back. And after a week, they would run out, ran all these tests and they said that he had a bad liver and um, his kidneys and he, he needed, um, he needed to be on um, dialysis for the rest of his life. And we said, okay, well then you're on dialysis. We'll, we'll deal with that. So we knew we were just going to deal with whatever he needed. Um, and then two weeks after that, I got a call from the doctor. It was the first day I was going back to work and he was still in the hospital and uh, they called me while I was walking into my office and the doctor said, you know, um, he's terminal. And I said, well, how long does he have? And he said, well, weeks, maybe, you know? And so I had to go back to the hospital that morning and um, I had to tell my, my kids and, and I had to tell him. And he, uh, he just took it like a champ and was just like, okay, okay. And so we just started planning. We were in the middle of refinancing our house and, and the lender came out and, you know, we signed the paperwork and I got all his passwords and, and we talked, we just made all of those arrangements. And I know, you know, a lot of our guests, your guests, um, you guys talk about like, what's better, you know, just like immediately or having this lengthy illness and you, you know, you have this sort of bad quality of life with a person. And um, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But I do know that the five weeks I had with him after he went into the hospital, um, we tried everything. You know, he, we got him to the liver transplant center in LA at UCLA. And um, they were trying for two weeks to get him better. They were going to put him at the top of the list and get him a new liver. And, um, and he just didn't make it. And so I don't know what life would have been like after, you know, what the quality of our, our marriage or relationship or life would have been. I don't think it would have been bad because I, I was ready to quit my job and do anything to take care of him. Um, and I had tons of family and everyone would have stepped up and, you know, someone would have had Monday and someone had Tuesday, you know, that kind of stuff. Like we all knew we were just going to be this whole community around him to take care of him and get him better. Um, and it just wasn't, you know, in, in, in God's plan. So, so if he would have gotten a liver transplant, would he have been okay? Okay. Or not okay. He was still done dialysis because his kidneys were also ruined. Well, I learned that, of course, the liver is just the organ that you cannot fix, right? So you can have a kidney. I mean, you can live with one kidney or whatever. We would have figured it out. But um, but had he been able to get the liver transplant, the staff at the hospital, the transplant center, insisted that they had worked on people in way worse condition than him and that they've seen them up and walking and, and just almost completely recovered, you know, six to 12 months after. So we had so much hope that he was going to do it and that was going to be his story. And so we, him 
passing away just was not part of the plan. It just wasn't, you know, until the day, until the afternoon that the, the staff took my stepkids and I aside and they said, there's, there's nothing more we can do. He's not going to make it. And I said, okay, well, what happens next? And they said, you know, um, we could keep him alive on all the machines, but we don't really think that's a good quality of life. And I said, no, you're right. You know, he, he just, I saw him deteriorate. He was just such a big buff dude. And I just saw him deteriorate to this very small man. And I just thought he fought, he really fought for us. And we at least owed him a peaceful, you know, passing. And so my stepkids and I, my, my stepchildren, my stepdaughter, Allie, and my stepson, Jake, we did not leave his hospital room. We lived there and we, you know, we only left to go eat and stuff, you know, and, and so they were very much a part of every decision that was made. And we knew, we looked at each other and we knew we had to let him go. And um, his sister who raised him when his mom passed away, she came that afternoon and she was able to spend her last moment, his, you know, her last moments with him. Um, and we let him go. And, uh, and then more family, you know, came out after that. But um, yeah, it was just, uh, it just wasn't in the cards and then it was, and then it just, you know. Did he have any symptoms, do you think, before that, that maybe he was downplaying? Or was it really just like out of the blue, like all of a sudden your kidneys don't work? I, you know, of course, I always think, what could I have done? What yeah. looked odd? Why didn't I catch that? And he he had to pee all the time. And I was like, oh my God, dude, you got to go get that checked. You know, like, you have to, that's not healthy. That's not good. You know, we, we get in the car and 30 minutes later, you like have to stop and go pee. Like that is not good. And, and actually sometimes he kind of, to, I thought maybe the last six months or so, he kind of lost his balance at times, not often, but it just wasn't like him. And things that alarmed me a little bit, I would bring up to him especially his drinking habit, of course. But he would say, you know, Rage, um, as soon as I retire, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a full exam and I'm going to start fresh. You know, so he, I really feel like he knew. I feel like he knew because when I told him he was terminal, he just accepted it. He said, he said, okay, okay, you're going to be okay. And it was just like, wow. You know, he, like, like he knew and he was ready for it. Um, or, or maybe he thought he deserved it. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's just so many um, unanswered questions. So I, I would have done anything and I tried everything to extend his life. I mean, I was on the phone with elected officials and I, I have a little bit of influence. So you were trying to buy him a liver yes. on Etsy? <laughs> right. <laughs> Trying to call the, you know, President Obama to help you out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I tried everything. And, um, and I think one of the comforting um, feelings post grieving and, you know, when I look back at the last year or so, I am so confident in knowing that I did everything I possibly could to extend his life and keep him alive and keep him, you know, there with us, um, until I couldn't. And, um, and I just, I know I pretty much just left everything on the table. 
Um, and, you know, it's just, uh, he, he just left such a, a legacy of, of, um, you know, community, uh, community appreciation and, and helping the fellow man and really being there for people over and beyond just being a police officer. You know, he was always accessible and he was always working extra hours. And, you know, he, he would tell me of stories of pulling people over that didn't look like they needed to go to jail, but maybe he'd throw their keys, you know, across the street or hide them. And then it's like, you got to walk home, you know, like he was so reasonable and such a good cop. But then when he had to be tough and take bad people to jail, he did that too. Did he ever deliver a baby in the back of somebody's car? No. Dang it. I feel <laughs> no. like every police officer has to do that in order to earn some sort of stripe on their yeah. No, uniform. he didn't do that. I, at least I don't know if he did. <laughs> I think he would have told you that. Okay. So, Rachel, you have listened to our podcast, and so you're familiar with a lot of the stuff. Oh, my gosh. Jenny Taylor. Stop it. Jenny right? Taylor. Uh, I was like so impressed with that woman I, and you know everything she said about how proud she and her husband were um of serving their country and you know just everything she does now after after his passing and of course being a mother that's a whole nother of seven you know that's crazy but i just i know you guys i i, I just i don't know how you do it you know and and she was just so impressive and um you know, I mean, Melissa Ponder, you know, that was another wild story. And so I, like, I hear all these stories and I'm like, hmm, what, why would they want to interview me? And why do they want to hear my story? But I think that my story is just not special, which is all of our stories. There's nothing special about it. We met, we fell in love, we got married, we had a great life, and then he died. And now we're in this crazy weird chapter that there's no rules there's no defining it's just crazy you know and so there's nothing special about that other than it would have been a special story had he delivered a baby in the back of the car once <laughs> oh what a jerk <laughs> because you know these stories rachel and you don't think that your story is special or that your story is a little different like you've mentioned before that you move really fast mm -hmm through life mm -hmm. things. What of some of our other guest stories is similar to your experience and what is different? Um, this sounds like a job interview all of a sudden. I, really, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the, well, maybe the more recent guests, maybe the guests who have about the same timing as us, like a year, you know, a little over a year there, or, you know, I mean, Anita, you're, you're, you're about, what, two years now? Yeah. So I think I'm just a little ahead of you. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that, um, there's still a lot of, um, just uneasiness with finding love again, you know, or, or, or doing something big and massive, like maybe buying a cabin or something like that. You know, I mean, just for I, instance, yeah, yeah, yeah. For instance that, but I like the whole cabin story is kind of weird too, because he and I would vacation up here a lot over the years. We brought our kids up here. We'd come here, you know, on our own trips. And, and while we were preparing for his retirement, 
you know, he was, he was supposed to get this, uh, like last paycheck, whatever. Um, and, and we were making decisions and we thought we're going to get a cabin. We'll probably get a little quaint, nice little cabin just for us and our family. And, and that's what we were going to do once he retired so that we could have an escape and a little vacation home. And we were so excited that we could even afford a second home. Right. And, um, so he passed away on a Friday, the following Friday, I had this beautiful funeral that was so appropriate for a hero. And many of my friends who are elected officials and, you know, many, many prominent people in LA County attended and appreciated and knew him as well. Tons of police personnel and sheriff personnel and all of our family and friends. And it was just beautiful. It, it ended up being the a way I wanted him to be honored. Um, and so the next day, no, the next day was his sister's birthday. And then the day after that was our wedding anniversary. So I knew the funeral had to happen before those two days, you know? And so um, my kids and I and my grandkids, we all decided that we were going to get away for the anniversary. And we looked at beach cities and, you know, it was in August and I thought, well, it's going to be too crowded and everyone's going to be partying. And I thought, well, let's just go to Lake Arrowhead because we love that place and let's rent a place and we'll just go and be one with nature and, you know, we'll just be together. So we did. And um, we spent a couple days here. While we were here, we saw an open house and we were kind of caravanning. And then we stopped at the open house. We all got out and we all looked at it. And then we all sort of had this like, you know, this, this light bulb went off and we're just like, oh my gosh, we need to get a house up here. Like this is what we need to do. And so at that moment, I was determined to have a cabin in Lake Arrowhead to spend the holidays with our kids, you know, for our first Christmas without him. And then I just worked that whole week. I, I found it, you know, made the offer, blah, blah, blah. And then I was in the house October 1st, like, like, you know, like a month later, a little over a month later. And I think perhaps that was so impulsive and fam close family and close friends probably didn't agree with that move. And, you know, it's funny how people change, people change in your relationship after. I don't even really talk to a lot of our close friends. And, you know, family changes, including my own siblings, you know, they change, um, friends change, and my relationships have evolved where I've gotten closer with some and, and distant with people I thought would have always been there for me through something like this, you know? And I don't know if it's because they think of him when they're around me and they just can't handle it. But I think they um, thought, okay, Rachel, you're buying a cabin right after Ernie passed away. That's weird. But I just don't think they know where the motivation comes from. And they don't even ask. They just assume, perhaps. Um, and, and so, you know, it's just one of those, one of those kind of crazy impulsive things that I hear all the experts on the show say, don't do anything impulsive. The fancy lady is dying right oh now. Because God, she's like, she totally three died. years. You can't be buying a cabin now. Oh gosh. I know. I know. But I bet you're so glad you have it now, especially during all this crazy yes. COVID stuff. Eh? Yes. Yes. I'm jealous. And it's so healing to be in the mountains. I, I get up here as often as possible. It's usually every weekend. I have a pretty stressful job and, um, I just, I come up and escape, you know, and, um, and, and recover. It's just my therapy. Um, 
it's just beautiful up here. And I am so fortunate to have been able to have it, to, to, to have this escape from everything. So I have a question for you about the cabin and about purchasing it so quickly. Are you prone to letting other people's opinions bother you? Or are you just like, I'm doing this and I don't care what you think? Because I, I'm somebody who does that. Like, I let people's opinions bother me. And I try and think about what they're thinking, even though I have no idea. But like, oh man, she must have just gotten a ton of life insurance money so she can do that. Or, you know, she's probably happy that he died because now she has a cabin in the woods. Things like that. Is that just crazy <laughs> for me to have those thoughts? It, those are all thoughts I've had. And I'm sure they're thoughts other people have had. And I am not too influenced by others opinions and I think I've always been rebellious I've always been the you know go against the grain person um and so that's probably why some of my relationships have sort of you know um, distanced because perhaps people don't understand but I I think early on in my grieving process I realized that the only opinions that really mattered were my children and my stepchildren um, and decisions I've made, they've all been pretty supportive of that. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm happy with that. You know, I, um, they know I'm a strong person. I mean, I, I obviously have a pretty decent paying job as well. And so I, um, I'm independent in a sense, but yes, um, he did take care of me. He did take care of us with his life insurance policy. Thank God for that because, you know, his pension has actually taken more than a year to work itself out because, you know, because the wheels of bureaucracy runneth slow. Yes. And, you know, there happens to be a a ex-wife that he had back in the day for a few years that, you know, is doing all that. So, you know, there's all these complicated things that you just never think about that you're going to have to deal with. And his income was a big part of our household income. So, um, you know, I, those are things that are getting worked out as well. And um, so financially, um, you know, I think that, of course, like, like, um, gosh, fancy lady, what's her first name? I forgot her first name. We don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Fancy Joy. So, you know, we, we start thinking of, okay, life is short. So how do I, um, you know, create my, uh, you know, insurance policy to pass down to my children and my grandchildren? And how do I take care of them now? And there's so many um, things that I, I would love to share with other women, but it's so weird. Like, how do I put that on social media? Like, Hey, by the way, here's some tips. If you ever become widow, you know, follow these tips. If you, you ever become widow, like that's, that's what we do. <laughs> we just start a podcast. I yeah, I was going to say, um, you're in a position with your job and also with your life experience in resiliency. Like it's, I know that maybe you're just, you are so accustomed to your own story that you're like, oh yeah, like, and I was homeless for a minute and then I had some kids and then I graduated high school and, and it's like, but to, to people that have not been through that, they're like, how? 
your how did you get through that that's so amazing so you have lived a life of resiliency which i think is really inspiring and and i think maybe that article that just got printed up about you is the, the that's a good gateway for you to kind of now start talking about those things because people will look to you who has been through so many things so it is weird being like, hey, I have these um, some advice <laughs> for widows. Here you go. And I think you know, it, it mostly just will feel weird to you and maybe to some other people. But, like, we don't care about that. It's right? so yeah. funny because you're like, I have these skills that barely anybody is going to need. But I would like to share my yeah. knowledge with you. <laughs> but it's like, look how helpful they are. Look at the podcast. We were like, we're just two people in our basement yeah. talking. Yeah. And now we have all these friends, like... That we didn't even have But before. you've also created this network of people sharing with each other and connecting. And I, how do you connect with someone on such a level if you have not experienced such tragedy? You know, like it is massive. And for anyone, of course, after to try to say something like, oh, well, when my dad died or, oh, when my when I lost my mom or when I lost my brother or when, you know, it's just like, that doesn't compare to my loss. So don't say those things, you know, and I, <laughs> there's, there's just so much like what I would, what I would say and what I would share with people and, you know, with, with, of course, with people in law enforcement who also, or in other stressful jobs, you know, who, who, who drink a lot and who, who mask their experiences um, or, you know, self-medicate with drugs or, or, or alcohol or whatever, you know, it's, it's just, um, I, there's, there's so much like reform. I think that can happen, um, even within the police department that he was a part of as far as, you know, um, demanding them, requiring them to have annual checkups and, you know, and kind of like, even if he had blood work done a year or six months before, they would have detected something massive, you know? And yeah. so that wellness, um, you know, is, wellness is not a priority to certain professions, these first responders, as much as it should be. And so I would love to perhaps encourage some sort of, you know, movement like that to help others. Um, I mean, you know, there's, there's, just, there's just so much, but... I think that's so smart. I have a family member that's a firefighter and, and he just is like, you have no idea what it's like to show up on a call. It's a suicide and it's your friend. It's somebody that, you know, he goes, I have so many stories like that or the amount of horrific things they see. Um, and I love that idea. I didn't even think about your approach of maybe having something in place for those first responders that checks their health because man, that's stress. You're saving a life or you're in, in the business of like life and death. And so as we all know, stress and cortisol and all that stuff has an effect on our bodies and, and alcoholism or just drinking so that you can forget what you just saw. You know, I love, I mean, I don't love that this is a thing, but I love your, what you just said about maybe that's something that could be reformed and you are in a position where you could do that. I, I, I think I do it probably, but <laughs> send us your list, send us your list. And if we, yeah. and if we think it's terrible, we won't tell you, but you can still send it to us. <laughs> okay. No, really. I am actually interested to know what other people's advice would be because I'm only in my own brain 
And these are the things that I think are really important. And then other people say, oh, well, I would suggest doing this or this. And as we've talked about on the podcast, Mel's needs and my needs have are very different or our preferences are very different. So it is interesting to see what other people think would be the advice that they would give. Yeah, because this is also in in the category of preventative. Right. And so it's just like when Anita and I are like, get life right. insurance. <laughs> uh, and you're just like, hey, help prevent this death because there's high stress. Yeah. So, yeah, and let us know how we can help. But I think that you are so cool and so proactive and so resilient and have great ideas that you could really, once you find that thing that you want to do and you find the first few steps, that it's going to help a lot of yeah. people. And, you know... There's, and your spouse dying, yes, is, is massive, but there's other challenges that we'll face. Like after my husband died, so about a month before my husband died, we had two dogs and two cats. So a month before my husband died, we basically got our dogs sort of at the beginning of our marriage and our cat. So like our, all of our animals were like really aged. So he had to put down one dog a month before he passed. And then so then it was left like the female, um, my dog's wife and I, so we're two like widows, all weepy and lame. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I can't even handle my pain. And now I have your pain. You know, my, my female dog was just like miserable. And I'm like, oh my God. So then I'd say about six, seven months later, then I had to put her down. Cause she was, was, you know, her health was failing too. And so then I had, but I had my cat, like one cat was rebelling and I had to give that cat away. And then I had my cat, my best friend cat. And she passed away. Um, I had to put her down about, I don't know, a month or two before Ernie's death anniversary. And so like that whole year was just crazy. And, and so it's just like, I think now I'm like, you know what, loss is gonna happen. Loss happens and there's nothing we can do about it. And I think that I've been totally jaded through this process, unfortunately. Um, but, but I also have an appreciation for, um, the good things, you know, and what's crazy. And I don't, I, I don't even know if, um, I shared this, but, um, I also just found out that I had, um, cancer in my uterus, endometrial cancer. What? I know. Crazy. Um, you did not uh, share that. Dumb, stop. Dumb. And I am, I am recovering Go. from a hysterectomy right now. Now, what, what's awesome is they got it all. So I don't require any, you know, like chemo or radiation, but like, what? Why? I can say the same thing. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, that is so dumb. <laughs> you know? And it's like, okay, so now I, you know, because he didn't go to the doctors often, I was like, okay, well, I need to go get a checkup and I need to go check these things out and blah, blah, blah. And then it led to that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just been a wild year and I've just had to just deal with it, but it's, but it's life. And I think that. Um, I still find happiness in a lot of things. And I feel like I allow happiness in my life. Um, I have awesome friends who have just been incredible. You know, they've been there for me um, and I try to be there for them. And so even through COVID has been crazy, you know, even with the sort of distance of people, we've still been able to maintain a good solid, you know, network of support. So um it's just, it's just, it's just life, you guys, you know, we have to, we're just like getting dished so, all this crap. <laughs> Rachel, I have a question for you about people's different timelines. So Mel and I have 
discussed with each other, and even on the podcast, I think, about sometimes feeling like you're a sociopath mm. because you're not feeling enough emotion or right. you feel like you're moving through grief quickly. And you mentioned this at the beginning that you move so quickly. So do you want to talk a little bit about feeling that way and having those feelings of not doing it right because your timeline you're just like a go-getter and like let's do this and be done with it kind of a thing well maybe that was a bad way of saying it well no I I yeah I, I know what you mean and I think it's guilt you know it's guilt that I I don't cry anymore every day like because because you know there was like crying all day long every day for months and then there was like okay crying once a day and then there was like oh I didn't I didn't cry yesterday wow you know and still having the same memories. And then it's like, okay, I only cried once a week. And so the crying and grieving has um, subsided a little bit. And now when I think of Ernie and our memories together and different things, even from his last days or when we were dating and I can get choked up, but I now remember it more of like, I'm just so blessed that I was able to experience that, you know, and I'm so happy. Now I feel like, I'm happy that I had those moments, not I'm sad I'm never going to have them again. Because for a long time, I thought, okay, well, I'm ready to die because I mean, what's, what's the point of living without him? And the faster I die, the faster I'll be with him. So who cares about this life? You know, whatever. My kids will be okay, blah, blah, blah. But then I started, um, you know, going through just my own grieving. And I, I think it kind of started January 1st, woke up January 1st. It was a new year. It was a new decade. 2020 was going to be awesome. Psych. <laughs> 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 yeah. No. Um, you know, and it was just, it, I, I felt like, okay, I took my wedding ring off and I think I was a little mad at him because of course, you know, he died. And, uh, I was like, why did you leave me? But I thought, okay, I'm not, I'm not married. I'm not married. And I thought, I need to start dating again because I'm a social person and I, I want to feel appreciated and I want to feel desired and I want to have, I want to find a partner. I want to find someone I can have fun with because, you know, I'm a tomboy and I like to play golf and I like to watch sports and, you know, have a cigar every once in a while. Um, and so I just knew. And so I started, I, I went to brunch with some girlfriends that morning and, um, you know, we just had such an amazing discussion and talk. And I felt so good about taking on this new year and thinking, okay, I still love my husband, but he's never coming back. And I need to find happiness. And I know I want to, um, I'm a fun person and I want to date and I want to hang out and I want to go out, blah, blah, blah. So, um, I asked friends, Hey, set me up, you know, set, set me up with guys, you know, you know, the caliber of the person you are so brave. You <laughs> let them loose. I, know. Well, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to do online dating. I, I was like, I refuse online dating. There's no way I'm going to do it. But I knew I, I knew enough people that knew enough people. Like I, I know tons of men and I thought they're all dumb. There's no way. Like I was literally like, there's no way I'm going to find anyone that would match or even come close to being the type of man um, Ernie was who appreciated a strong woman, you know, and, and who was a family man and, you know, just gen, uh, generous. And, but, but I, um, 
but I thought, okay, well, maybe not in my universe circle of people that I know, but let me expand and see who people know. And so it's kind of weird. I, I took a flight in uh, mid-January and I went to, to Nashville to go visit one of my best friends, the friend that her parents took me in as a homeless kid, that friend, Priscilla. Um, went to go visit her. Hi, Priscilla. <laughs> Priscilla Presley. <laughs> yes. No, that's in Memphis, right? right? So, she, so I went to go visit her and I had just gotten the job for city manager um, the night before. So I did a little celebrating. So I probably got home a little too late and I had a 6.15 a.m. flight the next morning and I was like, ah, running through the airport and, you know, I was the last person on the flight. There was one seat available. And so I went and asked, it was in the middle of a man and a woman. And I said, Hey, can I sit there? He's like, yeah, sure. So I sat down and, um, you know, I guess I had a cap that had a golf little thing. And, and as I'm sitting down and I'm a little hungover, so I thought, I'm just going to sleep on this whole flight. Um, this dude says, uh, do you play golf? And he kind of shocked me. I was like, mm, yes. And he goes, oh, well, yeah, I see your hat. And oh, okay. So he tried small talking a little bit. And I'm like, no, I'm, I need to sleep on this flight. I am not going to be chit-chatty with you. So I think he probably got the message and I, you know, I fell asleep. Um, woke up, started chatting again a little bit. Um, you know, as we were talking, he asked, what do I, what do I do for a living? And I told him and he said, oh, you know, um, what a great accomplishment or something. And I, I credited Ernie, of course, he said, well, it's kind of bittersweet. You know, I, I just, I lost my husband last year. Um, and he played a big role in my success and getting me to where I, where I am. And I wish I could celebrate with him, but you know, he's not here. And I started crying a little bit and he said, I know, I know what you're going through. I lost my wife too. What? So I'm like, exactly. I was like, what? <laughs> you know? Because and then when I you were telling me that story, I was thinking to myself, as soon as you said that, that guy was like, I need to get off this plane because I don't want to be having this conversation with this lady anymore because she is crying and there's nowhere to go. Right. And, but you know, what's crazy. So, so off topic, like, I think that, um, I just, I played the widow card as much as possible you know, during a certain time. I was like, yeah, my husband just died. So leave me alone. Or my husband just, died. you know, like I just, my it, husband just died. Give me some extra fries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just, I felt like it just defined me where I was and I was not afraid to say it, you know? And I think sometimes I would shock people like, oh God, oh, I'm sorry. Like, they don't know what to say. Like, what do you say when someone says that to you? It wasn't like I announced it to everyone though, as I met them, but you know, in conversation and stuff. Um, so when he said he lost his wife too, and he understands. And um, so we started talking and I asked him questions and he had, you know, he'd had young children at the time when she passed and it had been 14 years and you know, he'd never gotten married. And so then our flight was over. So we exchanged numbers and he says, no, call me. I, you know, I, he ended up living like 10 minutes away from me. And um, so we exchanged numbers and um, we talked a little bit for, you know, about, three months and, um, and then COVID happened. And then, you know, we were our only friends and then we blossomed uh, into a relationship. And so, um, yeah, it's, I, so I think my pace looking at it now thinking like, yes, I still, I still love Ernie. I will never not love him and I will never not appreciate the marriage I had. Um, I'm proud of the wife I was and the stepmother, mother I am. Um, but I have embraced 
moving forward and what this next chapter looks like. And um, I am, um, I've found happiness, you know, I've, I've, I've found happiness and I'm, I'm just so, uh, I, I think that even the friendship that I've established with, with this person has helped also help me through my grieving too. I don't know. And, and, you know, he was with me when Ernie's first death anniversary happened and, you know, we just acknowledged his wife's 15th death anniversary, you know, uh, about last week, last Monday, I think it was last Monday. Uh, we need to talk to him. He needs to come. <laughs> but it's so, it's like, it's so, um, and I do feel conflicted. Like perhaps I'm, I was moving too fast, but I honestly, that's that one side of me that is the doubtful side, but I'm so confident in my feelings and where I'm at now that I just, I'm embracing it and just, you know, moving forward. I don't know. Um, I guess it's just, it just works, you know, it's just working. Do you want my psychological evaluation? Yes. Of you, Rachel? Can't wait for it. Okay. So I'm just listening to your whole life story. And I think that you have had to really stand on your own feet and get what you needed to get done for yourself. So I don't see you as somebody who is needing a partner because you feel like you need somebody's help to make you be a whole person. You've spent your whole life being whole, kind of despite everybody else. And so you're looking or you're accepting of a new relationship wasn't coming from a place of trying to help you create a whole person. It was coming from a place of, I am a strong, resilient person and I am open to sharing my life with somebody else but not something that's trying to build me up to make me okay, if that makes any sense. Like it's not coming from a place where you're grasping for somebody to tell you that you're it's fine. It's coming from a place of abundance and not from a place of want. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, I've known you for like, I love I've it. known you for like 50 <laughs> minutes. And so I feel like I can give you these diagnoses. Yeah, and also with all the stuff that you've been through your entire life, you're accustomed to being resilient. Like, and I know I keep saying the same thing over and over and over, but it's true. It's like when that is such a life skill that a lot of people don't have, and it takes them until they have some big life explosion to start on that path to building their own resilience. You've had that since you were a kid. Like, you've already been on that path. And so it makes sense to me that that maybe what you're experiencing now is different than a lot of widows because it may, a lot of widows, it hasn't been their first trauma, right? you know? So, um, but the way that you tell it, you're very grounded and just kind of getting a feel for your personality. I think that you should embrace it and have fun and do your thing and trust your gut. Plus who sticks you on an airplane <laughs> next to a widower who also likes golf? I mean, you can't deny that that's a little like, and we've, we've talked and, you know, we've said that Bonnie is his wife's name. Bonnie and Ernie were our angels that day. And like, they must've, they must've hashed it out in, in heaven. And they must've said, Hey, we need them to be happy and let's put them together randomly on, let's sit her on the only seat available on this flight, you know? And, and I, we just, I, you know, we have such an appreciation for each other's, um, marriages, families, children, um, and the legacy of our spouses that 
to me is what works, you know? And, and, um, I just, I understand and he understands. And, uh, you know, Ernie was an incredible person and I, and I, everything I hear about Bonnie, you know, she sounds awesome too. And so it's just like, but now we appreciate them together, you know? And, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just wild. It's just a wild ride. I don't know, but I do want to inspire, you know, other women who have lost their spouses, who think that they're doubtful or they feel guilty or something, but if they're open, um, it's okay. You know, it's okay to be open and experience, um, fun stuff and don't feel guilty about experiencing the fun stuff. Uh, and, and I, and I know for, for a while too, I thought, God, I wish he was here with me to experience this. Oh, he would have loved this. And I felt bad that he wasn't there experiencing it with me. And, um, in, including, you know, the, the cabin that I got because of him, but yet he can't be here, you know? So there, that was a sort of, I felt so connected to him here, but then also at the same time, I feel like I wish he, he would have loved it here and, and he, you know, but he is here and, you know, I, I, um, I have things all over the place that remind me of him. Um, and I just appreciate, we just, we just appreciate him and his, and his, his memory. And, um, you know, I, it's weird. I, I think of too, like my in-laws and I'm not as close to them as I was before, of course. Um, a few, I, you know, choose not to be, but whatever. Um, but, you know, it's just like, I feel like for the longest time, I was so angry. Like, you know, you didn't lose your spouse. The person that you lost was my person and he would have consoled me. And the only person that could console me right now is gone. So don't even compare your loss to my loss. But now I feel that they'll never be able to replace their brother. You know, they'll never, they'll never be able to replace their father or, you know, um, uncle or, you know, nephew. Um, but I'm able to find new love. And that's unfair in a way sometimes. So now I feel like it's opposite of what I used to feel. And now, yeah, yeah now I feel never like, thought of it that way. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm sad for that too. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we've all lost such a great person. Death is just such a ball of blah. <laughs> and you know what? Um, and Rachel, you're in our widow wives club and I'm sure that there are some people that aren't quite sure how, who they can reach out to if they are feeling guilty. And now that you have been our guest, if anybody is interested in having those conversations, Rachel is in there. And so that we want to talk about everything in there. So yeah, there's always going to be somebody that can relate to you. I love that you shared your story and I love that it's maybe not as typical and um, guilt is a yeah. huge thing and for a lot of different reasons. There's one other person that I like, when I heard their story, I was just in awe because it kind of reminded me of my guy's story because he, um, you know, he, he, his wife battled breast cancer for three years and he, um, had small children, you know, they, they were, they were seven, nine and 11 when their mother passed. And, um, and so three years before that, you know, he was, he was working, um, he was helping her through her treatments and stuff and being, you know, mom and dad in the home. Um, and Trigan, Trigan White, his story was like, oh my God, so honorable. Like I just, all of the sacrifice and the frustration and the expectation and the disappointment and, you know, 
the relationship and the ups and downs, like just like, gosh, you know, to have, to have been able to live through that was just incredible. I don't know. I love our, our widow people that you've, they're so great, right? I know there's so many inspiring stories. Yeah. And even though you think that your story is like not amazing, I see what you're saying because there is no like fireworks. There was not a bazooka involved. There were no, you know, there you weren't attacked by a polar bear. So or Ernie wasn't. But I think that most of our stories, like you were saying before, are just normal. But there's still lessons to be learned from every single person who has a story. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for hearing it. Hey, Rachel, one more question before we go. Yes. Favorite cheese, go. Manchego. Oh. Spanish. Delicious. Yep, I do like manchego. When we get together someday, all of us. Yes. We're going to have all the cheeses. It's going to be so great. It's going to be just a cheese cheese fest. And then we're going to need some Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. (laughs) This will be a lot. Okay. And then not. (laughs) Actually, I was thinking Miralax. We might need Miralax. (laughs) Uh, Make sure you guys check out the Widow Wives Club. You've heard us say it at least four times now. And answer all the questions. And we would love for you to become one of our patrons. You can find that on patreon.com slash WWDN. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. I'm Rachel. And we're just two young widows and a rock star who is in a cabin in the forest living her best life. And we're trying to figure out widow we we do do now. now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.